0: Stalk Talk's podcast brings you intelligent discussion of topical issues inspired by the international city of peace and justice. I think we all know what we need to do. Problems, they come like a costume. They fit you.
1: Remove our inner critic and open our inner you know, curiosity. Eh? You know, nothing speaks louder than money. Walk in, in slam your fist on the table, say... So. <laughs> Yeah. We have to Work together.
0: Right. Something has to change.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Stalk Talks.
0: Think European, act local. This is one of the slogans of Volt Europa or Volt, a pan-European party founded in 2017 in reaction to Brexit and growing concerns about populism across Europe. Today, it is working toward participation in local and national elections in 12 European countries, including the UK.
1: Volt believes that a pan-European approach is vital to tackling issues like climate change, migration, economic inequality and terrorism. In May 2019, Volt won a seat at the European Parliament by winning a significant number of votes in Germany. Now, as we approach the national elections here in the Netherlands, Volt hopes to achieve a
0: similar success. Today on Stock Talks, we speak with one of Volt Netherlands' leading candidates, Nelufa Gundigen. Welcome, Nelufa, and it's a pleasure to have you join us on the show today. Well, thank you for the invitation, it's a pleasure to be here. Now, Nelufa, you've called yourself a social liberal. To me, when I first read this, I thought, is this not a contradiction in terms?
2: Well, I I think a true liberal to start with is someone who is social. I think the whole concept of how liberalism changed into only the economic liberty of the individual or the company or whatever, I think that is putting yourself outside of society. I think uh, no man is an island. So we are all are connected with each other. So if you are on um, a very good position and the rest of you around you is not, then you're creating a system that eventually will have to either make sure that you are protected so that the have's not will come for you or you will, if you have a heart, you will start sharing to start with. And for me, the example of this is... You see in a lot of parts of the world that they are starting to have gated communities and they are locking themselves up in their own bubble and they don't like to share their richness with each other. That's not something that I envision. For me, creating a true liberal system is a system that it should not be important how rich or how talented you or your parents are. It should be about that we all can prosper of freedom and of economic wealth. And it should be in a good balance so we can create a society in which the most amount of people can taste and share in the most amount of happiness and that's where the good balance between liberalism and socialism comes in I
0: okay what you've described there sounds sounds more social than than liberal to me but perhaps we can come back to that later and focus a little bit more on on the nature of the party that you that you're representing
2: that's fine but i can also try to elaborate a little bit more i think the, the reason why we don't like, why I don't like to think that I'm a socialist is that I first and foremost always think of, of the freedoms of an individual. And, and whereas in a socialist system, it's always about the group. And so for me, it's the balance between the individual and the group. So it's not one having more preferences or having more importance in my world vision than the other. It's trying to have a good skill so, so most people can prosper. So it's about balance. So for me, abortion, gay rights, uh, minority rights, those are things, all uh, topics which are much more preserved by liberals but uh, economic rights are also that important. And those are much more preserved by socialists. So it's about the balance of both sides.
1: What I'm gathering, and correct me if I'm misunderstanding, is you're saying, okay, we need to provide enough opportunities for the individual, and, and that's the the social aspect of it, but simultaneously you have the the freedom for everyone in the, the, the Liberal Party. Everybody should have equal opportunities.
2: I think we've come to this system in which we... Thought that liberalizing everything, as also the public uh, sphere of even of education and of healthcare, I think we now can see that it is more accessible to some than to others, and I think we should rewrite the laws of how we want the public atmosphere to be.
1: All right. Sorry. So but otherwise, we're going to dive very deeply into a, a lot of issues right away. But I, I think one of the, the interesting topics that we'd like to talk about is VOLT is one of the few pan-European parties in the Netherlands. And one of the questions that me and Zoe immediately had is, do you see other national policies or other national parties following suit? And what are the advantages to an approach like VOLT's compared to parties that uh, function uh, purely on a, a national level?
2: Well, I can give you a few topics, which I think is the difference between a pan-European party and and a nationalistic party that is pro-Europe. The minute that we talk about, that we address, that we want to stop the moving of Brussels to Strasbourg, a lot of political parties want that. So we all agree on that. But none of them has a direct link to their French counterpart, who is in favor of that as well. So Vote France is... Also in favor of stopping the, as we call it, the movement circus. Another thing that is we do not do not have European taxing systems. And that's for, we have a rat race to the bottom. But all chapters of all Europe are in favor of having European taxing. So when they will enter national parliaments there, so they will start also addressing having European taxing. So finally, companies like Google and Apple will start paying their fair share instead of the rat race to the bottom that we have seen right now. So I think having a European party that is in all of Europe pushing the same agenda, not only on a European level, but also on a national parliamentary level. I think that is the acceleration that we need if we won't really want to transform the European Union in a more democratic and in a more stable way so Europeans will profit of it and not the leaders or companies.
0: Okay. I mean, Nalufa, maybe I can just jump ahead then to a question that I was going to ask a bit later, but it seems like a good time now because you've spoken about improving sort of democratic... Access for for European citizens, and we know that many people have accused Europe of a so-called democracy deficit. In that, European citizens don't really feel very connected to the European Parliament. That seems sort of a distant, a distant organisation um, with lots of layers of bureaucracy all around it. So, how could you give us a specific example, perhaps, so people can understand better how? Could a, pan- a pan-European party like Volt directly connect, say, a Dutch citizen with the European Parliament or the? Well, the
2: first thing I think that I would like to say about this question is that most people are right. There is a deficit of European democracy, and currently, right now, the monopoly of criticizing Europe is only of the Eurosceptic political parties. So the pro-European political parties, they do not talk about it. They go hush hush about it. So that's, you know, uh, I, I, I think it's a good reason why the hashtag on Twitter EU elephant which means eu elephant there is this big eu european elephant we don't talk about it we do not explain what's going on in brussels to give a concrete example the euro and the eurozone are not in a very good shape and there are two options basically i will just leave out all the variables which are in the middle but two uh, most important options you either get out of euro and then you just you know skip the eurozone and then it falls apart and it cripples or you will say we're going to finish it and we're going to make a better solid monetary union and we're going to fix the part that because we don't have an economic union. Volt is addressing that. And when you address that then friction comes along because some people don't com- feel comfortable. But the thing is currently only the Euroskeptical parties talk about the eurozone where it you know uh, uh, is something that is painful for all Europeans, not Absolutely. only of the member states who are part of the eurozone but for all of them. So we should all of us know more about Europe and it should not be that it goes into this black hole and it's not being discussed about it. And for me, I'd rather have a discussion with someone who talks about it and is completely not, you know, in line with what I think, rather than someone who is silent about it.
0: But now, Nilufer, if, for example, Dutch citizens voted for Volt and Volt, they were then in that way connected to the European Parliament via a party like Volt. Um, I think I read somewhere that you would need was, is it 25 MEPs in the European Parliament in order to have your own party, as it were, in Europe. But let's imagine that that, that does happen at some point. That then, do you think, if you were sort of you were voting for Volt at in your local elections or your national elections, and then you also saw that could be then directly translated to some sort of policy? In Brussels or in the European Parliament? I mean, is is that the idea? Do you think this would then allow European citizens to feel more connected?
2: Yes, I do think so. And I also do think like currently if you are a Christian Democrat, let's say that is your political colour, I think that's a very good example to give. And you're voting for the Christian Democrats in the Netherlands, you are not fully aware of the fact that they work together within the EPP, which is the European People's Party with all Christian Democrats come in there. And then there's also Fidesz, the political party of Orban. And we all know that that's not a liberal democracy anymore. And Orban steals 5 billion euros a year. He gives it away to family and friends. is corrupt. He's an autocrat, et cetera. I don't think there is a Dutch Christian Democrat or a German Christian Democrat feels comfortable to have someone like that within their political party whereas when you vote for volt you know that volt hungary has the same views regarding abortion regarding gay rights regarding rule of law etc so with us it's completely all members of volt europe have the same agenda, we have the same program, so there is no difference between what we do in national parliaments and what we favor in European parliaments. That we will, you know, this was the whole idea, that there would not be national political parties participating in European parliament. But then they said it will be difficult, you know what, we'll, we'll not do it for the time now and then later on. What we are hoping, because we know that no one's, not everyone is gonna, you know, support us. That's fine, that's a democracy. But it is more important that you have transparency over the amount of people. So we favor and hope that all Christian Democrats in Europe, instead of having this fragmented program, that they will have one program and that they will support all over Europe one vision on how the Christian Democrats view Europe. So then there will be no difference between the Christian Democrats in Sweden, in Bulgaria, and Portugal, so they all know where they stand for. Because right now, the Christian Democrats in Sweden are much more progressive than they are in Eastern Europe or in Southern Europe.
0: Precisely. No, it, it, it's a problem. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think because of that problem, there's a difference between what the capitals and what the national parliaments do and what Brussels does. Because there is a different tone of voice and content there than it is in their own countries. And we should get rid of that, you know, difference.
1: I think it's a fair point. I would like to take a concrete example, because, uh, for example, you mentioned that what you're trying to achieve as well in, in Holland specifically is a reform and an overhaul of the, the Dutch tax system. You mentioned it prior early. And simultaneously, that then that raises the question, Holland might be uh, one hurdle, but then how do you envision bringing that like to, to European tax policy, for example? And is that feasible in the next decade?
2: Well, I think it could be feasible because I think there is a lot of support within Europeans themselves. They are fed up with, you know, having this system in which Google, you know, has their uh, headquarters in uh, Ireland and then through all kinds of legal constructions, which are, you know, there is nothing wrong with it on a judicial way, but there's definitely a lot of things wrong on an ethical level. So we all invested in brilliant Europeans by giving them education. So they have the purchasing power to buy laptops, to use search engines, to buy telephones, etc. And we want to keep another generation of people who are capable of buying stuff, using stuff, etc. You need taxing for that. And we believe that by organizing the voice of all Europeans who find it unfair that big companies who have trillions already and who do not pay like maybe they pay crumbs compared to what they make and generate that it's time for them to pay a fair share so they can contribute to the climate change so they can contribute to R&D so they can contribute to infrastructure to education and we believe that if we do that on a European level then Brussels can be the, the big place in which we can say like when it's You know, so important for all of Europe, let's say, to have a common R&D budget so we can, you know, invest in the from going to a grey economy into a green economy. You want to push that agenda. That's so expensive. That's too expensive for a member state alone. But if you combine it together, then it makes sense. So you want to create something that is interesting and fair for Europeans and not for member states alone.
0: I'm in generally in agreement with you, Nalufa, But I, I mean, I think we know that the Netherlands itself has been criticised for being well. Some have gone as so far as to call it a tax haven. And indeed, yeah, smaller countries like the Netherlands and Ireland have tended to try to attract large multinationals as a way to foster economic prosperity. So, this suggestion of yours of this policy. I would imagine it's going to meet with some resistance.
2: Well, it's definitely going to do that. But I think the, it's it's the only way to get out of this swamp. I mean, just like we knew that when we talked to Volt Italy, they they said aloud, our country has to restructure and reform. Its economy is not, you know, in shape to battle the 21st century. Our debt is too big, et cetera, et cetera. No one knew and heard of that in the Netherlands that there were Italians who were in favor of that. So for Fault Italy, it is also very good to hear that there are duchies who are saying, we do not want to be a tax haven. And I think being a pan-European party, you hear the voice of people instead of the voice of polarization and politicians who are in favor of their own tiny uh, interest instead of looking at the big picture.
1: It, it sounds like you're trying to create a... to to, to make people more informed about what's really going on behind all of the the polarization and behind the news and but in that sense like how do you prevent it that people then start listening to one political party and simultaneously become fragmented because that's the only news so i mean let's say all the people in italy only start reading vault news then they're getting news from all these other european parties but then again it's only vault news for example
2: well i've used the 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 metaphor once that When digital photography entered, only Kodak refused to pick it up. And then they went bankrupt. And uh, it changed the whole landscape quite quickly. And now it's digital photography. No one can think of it without it. Like all of them have it, even the big players. What we hope is that by doing something that everyone said when we started doing it, you're crazy, you'll never get in, it's not gonna work, it's too well thought of, it's too in the middle, it's too whatever. And now people are like interesting, interesting. And you we've seen like people in the Netherlands at least coming from all kinds of political parties go coming into vote because they're like Finally, a political party who is that honest and they're fine with it. And we see that in all other European countries as well. So I think it's going to be a matter of time before the other political parties have to uh, transform themselves into a 21st version. So I'm fine with it. Let's have a discussion with the socialists, with the Christian Democrats, with the liberals, what the future of Europe will be. But let's have a discussion instead of being silenced about it.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not too far off now until International Women's Day. Now, of course, as as a woman yourself, whose parents came from Turkey, what do you ascribe your rise in national politics? And how can we ensure greater diversity in politics? Because... I think we most people would agree there is a lack. Um, so what, were you, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I'm very happy to be part of a political party that has full priorities, so 50-50 men-women. And I don't think that it is of the 21st century to have a political party that is fine with having only 40% or less women on the ballot to start with. And secondly, uh, if we continue in this speed as it goes right now with women's law, then some people say it will take about 70 years. Others say it will take about 200 years. So it depends probably on what you measure exactly and how you measure it. But at least I will be very, very, very old and maybe even dead before we can see that day. And I'm very uh, not happy with that idea. So it is time to speed up women's positions. And then it's time also to speed up diversity. And I think the only way to do it are two ways. One is quota and the other has constant discussion about it, of the importance of it. And also, this is a topic that has been, you know, been neglected, has been silenced about. So it is thought of something not sexy, not cool to talk about. But, you know, everything that is important, everything that is difficult, everything that will take time before you can really, you know, change and transform the system Is
0: worth it? Absolutely. Yes. Perhaps the quota. Well, we've had that debate as well, haven't we? Some some people agree that a quota system is helpful. I know they've done it. I think in Sweden, whereas others will say, no, 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 that undermines meritocracy. But yes, I'm aware that Volt has taken a very clear uh, stance on that with their their 50 50 requirement.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we have. And I'm very proud of that. I think that almost every political party, we also do not have 50 50 members, men, women, there is this tendency of women of not becoming actively member of a political party. And it has a lot to do with culture and education still women are, when they are described, it is favored that they are described on being kind and being uh, caring. And those qualities are not still not associated with being a leader and especially a political leader. I think Jacinda Arden shows that it, that you can do it the other way around. But having said, so I have my own way of doing things and I do, you know, speak up and I do, you know, tell what I think and I'm not afraid, but then, The other day I got called, to give an example, a bitch. So as a woman, it's never good enough. So when you do speak up, you are a bitch. And if you don't speak up, then you're too soft to go into power.
0: I guess one just has to forge on with.
2: Only having more women who show that there are different styles of being a manager, a political leader, you know, a director or whatever, a CEO, can push the whole idea of what a woman can and cannot do
1: we could go on about this topic because there's there's a lot of interesting insights to talk about. But now I, I, I think uh, we have to sort of work towards an ending, but I, I know I, I can see on your face and listeners can't see it, but there's so much more to talk about here. But um, what, what we want to close so off if with I
2: is... Give is you one, yeah, if I could give one, more, one short thing, because something like very important, like in 2017, when the Dutch government, uh, you know, agreed on the coalition, They brought in seven men and only one woman. Can you imagine in the 21st century, seven men and one woman being on the negotiation table and how for the next four years, Dutch politics should be envisioned? So there was only one. But why? (laughs) So ask all political leaders why they did not have on the right hand a woman. Then you're sure you're not going to talk about things like, you know, uh, daycare and stuff like that. You know that. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so how do you see, just to finish then, how do you see the future of European politics going forward? What What are your visions? Well,
2: it, you know, France is going to be very tricky if Macron loses next elections and Le Pen will kick in because Brussels is not stable enough and it relies on the acts of Berlin and Paris, then we're going to have a whole new power going on in Europe. So it's going to be very important that France keeps Macron. Although I have a lot of critique on Macron and how he operates internally and externally, I'm not a big fan of him. The alternative is even worse. So that's basically what I see. So having said so, it also shows how important it is that we found true democracy on a European level so we can surpass the importance of member states when they have a less democratic or populist leader who gets in power so we are not that depending on them. And that is the biggest challenge what we are going to face in the coming years. If we get over that in a good way and we create a more democratic Europe, then uh, we need a new agreement, a treaty for Europe as well. I think if we all pass those hurdles, and I'm positive about that, that we can, then I think Europe can be the continent because there's a lot of, you know, good qualities for Europe to be that.
0: That's a a great slogan to finish with, the continent of the 21st century. Yeah, I would really love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today on Stalk Talks, Nalufa. Well, thank you guys for having me over.
1: Absolutely. And, and uh, if you want to know more about Vault, you can look at their uh, website or uh, look at the, the candidate ballot. And I know uh, for other listeners as well, if they do want to hear more interviews with you, they are online on Spotify and on uh, the website that they can listen to more of your insights as well.
0: Thank you. Have a great Wednesday. And uh, please, to our listeners, stay tuned for another episode, same time next week. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and of course, our weekly podcast. Uh, if you would like to to learn more.